a gun with the Florida Gators. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyam, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement, energy. You know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there? I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler... Uh, we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins and how Tua Tagovailoa now has a bunch of... No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. We're going to talk about college you football. Wish, we, you wish. Of course I wish. Come on, man. Uh, we're going to be talking about college football. We're going to be talking about the lackluster performance, is the way I'm going to put it, the Florida Gators put in against Kentucky last week in their loss. We're going to talk about what happened in a crazy week two via our five wide and two-point section. And we are going to preview week three via our five wide and two point section. Um, but first Tyler, we're going to start with what happened in week two bird's eye view. I'd like to call it not five wide and two point or the Gator game. But first let's talk about Scott Frost, who is no longer the head football coach at the university of Nebraska. He is the first domino to fall in the coaching carousel. Uh, I believe he was the odds on favorite for first coach fired going into the season. Uh, what are your Quick and immediate thoughts, Tyler. Um, this it feels so weird because it feels like something we all knew had to happen at some point or was trending towards happening. But I still like never let myself believe that it would happen. You know, you still get kind of shocked by the moment of like, oh, Nebraska finally said this isn't good enough for us. Which I mean, historically, maybe it isn't, but recently it has been. Um, uh, I don't know. It's just. I've been saying for the last, the last year that Scott Frost is going to make somebody very happy as their next offensive coordinator. Um, uh, Nick Saban's going to really like having Scott Frost on his staff next year. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's weird. But it, did, it felt like it needed to happen because for some reason or another, Scott Frost just wasn't getting it done in Nebraska. And like, it's, it's tough to live in this world where they, they were in so many close games that they could have won and they barely won any of them. And it's like tough to sit in this where it's like, okay, there's, there is a tangible other world that we could go to where Scott Frost is doing really well. And is one of these big games, but we don't live in that world. So that is not reality. That is not reality. Uh, yeah, his his one score game record kind of speaks for itself. I think it was like three and twenty two at the moment he was fired. Oof. Something crazy like that. Or if you literally just flip those one score games, they look so much better. Different right? story. Different story. Completely different story. Completely different narrative. Uh, I think you and I both knew that this was happening after the Dublin game in week zero, but I did not expect it to happen on it is september 13th as we record this <laughs> i mean it definitely needed to happen considering they lost to georgia southern but it i mean and georgia southern when they didn't even run the triple option um yeah they're learning how to throw the football like <laughs> imagine that you lost to that team 
and I think also it's it's important to really understand how bad they wanted to make this move right now because if you if if Nebraska waited until October first, just over two and a half weeks, so three weeks, uh, if they waited three weeks to fire him. They would have saved seven million dollars on the buyout. Which, by the way, once again, Scott Frost's buyout is fifteen million. The greatest job in the world is a fired college football coach. We before have limited that to just the SEC, but now that the Big Ten has got a whole bunch of money, we're going to have to add the Big Ten to that mix. Tyler, dream job is what we say. Yeah, I mean, it's just look. I will never get people. Like, like uh, administrations uh, want to be like, no, we got to fire him now. We could save $7 million if we waited a couple of weeks. We got to fire him right now. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I, I just would never be convinced of that. I'd be like, no, save $7 million if you can save $7 million. <laughs> um, but I understand. At the, same time, at the same time, Scott Frost, secure the bag. <laughs> Absolutely. Shout out to him. So proud. Uh, but I will say at the same time, even though I'm going to be, you know, the Big Ten just signed like the greatest television deal in the history of television. Um, that's still seven million dollars. I get why they did it. They are they are surprisingly they might be the first team ever, Tyler, to fire their coach and then be featured in five wide the next week. Kind of crazy. Just yeah. want to say that. Just want to think say, possibly. I, as a sideline judgment note, that might be something we keep in track of. But I think the game we're going to talk about in five wide had a lot to do with them pulling the trigger now because of historical precedence and reputation and maybe needing a spark plug because the game is at home, all that kind of stuff. So who knows why? But that's my assumption. It's, but it's also it's that weird thing where like you don't want to let yourself because I, I forget what team did this in the NFL. But there's the idea of don't let yourself get fooled back into it, you know? Don't mm-hmm. give like the, the Scott Frost is showing you what type of team this is. Don't give your don't give Scott Frost an opportunity to win you back for another season just to get the same thing. You know, so I completely agree. Completely agree, Tyler. Let's let's go through week two, our non five wide and two point games real quick, just to kind of get an idea of what happened this week. Um, I'm going to go through. Miami 30, Southern Miss 7. Miami, this was kind of tight to start. Uh, it was, I think, a, like a three-point game at halftime. Uh, it was like, and then they kind of turned it on in the second half, but it is what it is. Um, I'd like to shout out Duke for winning and beating Northwestern 31-23. to 23. Crazy. My hat's off to them. Uh, what else we got? We got UTSA beating Army in overtime 41-38. to 38. Uh, in a in a pretty enjoyable game, if you if you like watching Army throw the ball a lot, which was kind of shocking for me, uh, they threw the ball a lot in this football game. Um, alas, uh, sideline judgment note: Utah beat Southern Utah seventy three to seven. So I think they uh, may have taken the the loss to the Gators a bit personally, Tyler. <laughs> Hanging seventy Maybe on a possibly. directional school, I, I don't know what an FCS directional that. school. Oh my gosh. Hey man. And the first the first of our big upsets Tyler Marshall beating Notre Dame 26 to 21. It is the beginning of the Sun Belt's renaissance. Is what I'm going to be calling it. Uh did you watch any of this game? Did you get in a react what's your reaction to this? What would you think? Uh 
it is um i was shocked personally i watched a little bit at the end the crazy thing too is that uh notre dame's quarterback is also going to be down i think for the rest of the season now and he wasn't even very good like um no but it just it has never gone from excitement to absolute nightmare so fast um but i watched a little bit of this game at the end and I mean, I don't really know what the take is. I mean, like, Marshall beat them. Um, yeah. Marshall, Marshall looks like they belonged on that field, the thing, which is the problem, yeah. I think, if you're Notre Dame. Yes. Yeah. I love it because, I, I I mean, I like the group of five. I like the Sun Belt. It's a great conference to watch. But if you're a Notre Dame fan, that is very concerning. Uh, Marcus Freeman's the first Notre Dame coach to lose his first three games in charge. He's 0-2 on the season. And then he lost the bowl game to Oklahoma State last year. Um, not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. I still not like great. Marcus Freeman. I still believe in him. Just I do too. But damn, I was. I saw the funniest thing where it was. Uh, um, it's crazy how Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to go to LSU, and it seems to have killed both programs. It that's that is some stealth stuff right there. Masterful. My hats off to him. Um, all right, next one we're going to briefly go through. Texas Tech beat Houston 33-30 to in double overtime. I just want to shout out uh, the Houston plus three and a half bet. Just love it. Chef's kiss. Thank you so much to that half point, allegedly. Um, and then I'm just kind of going through all the games here. Most of them that I want to talk about are on five wide. Oh, but Tyler, you owe me a public apology right here on the podcast. Me? For – yes, you, my friend, because – I was going to take – I thought about taking Kansas over West Virginia for my two-point. And when I mentioned it to you after I made my decision, you were like, really? Come on. And I said, okay, fine. You're right. I guess so. I was right, Tyler. An overtime victory on the road in Morgantown, 55-42. to 42. What say you, Tyler? What say you about my fighting Kansas Jayhawks? I say that that's masterful misdirection by me to get you to pick uh, the UCF Louisville game instead, which did not turn fruitful for you. So, I mean, like, while yes, in all football earnestness, this was a shock to me. I'm very shocked. Um, Go, you know, very very surprised by the Jayhawks. Also surprised that West Virginia is as bad as they are. Um, A like good, good on you, sir. But on the flip side, um, a plus by me, like to get you off of this i mean like it really worked out for me that's a two-point swing um yeah 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 anyway just wanted to shout out kansas it looks like lance leopold is doing some stuff down there and they, who, they got a quarterback is coming so you raised his arm i don't know and nobody can see it but us but he's well, podcasting is a visual medium tyler yeah um what else all right that's that's about it because everything else we've really covered in in um in two point and five wide uh yeah okay awesome went through the rundown great podcasting let's talk about the gators um kentucky 26 florida 16 i wrote three things underneath this on the rundown i wrote what went wrong i wrote outlook for the rest of the year and then i said the game so let's start with what went wrong tyler in this game what happened why is why was this such a frustrating game to watch for the florida fans? kentucky Put the book out on Florida at the current moment is that if you can shut down the run game, Florida does not have the ability to stress you out in the pass game solely. Um, 
I was little surprised at the lack of was just like uh, kind of a lack of imagination on the passing plays, um, lack of you know creativity, lack of like it was really just this team felt like if it couldn't get the run, it couldn't get anything. Um, and Anthony Richardson just had a bad game, and it's his third ever start, so I'm not. And all three have been against top twenty teams, um, so I don't, you know, I'm not too crazy. Uh, but it was a bad game by him, and. Uh, Anthony Richardson got rattled a little bit, and the problem is, is that I don't think enough. Anthony Richardson is not the most accurate quarterback in the world. I wouldn't say he's inaccurate, but he's not the most accurate quarterback. But on top of that, I think one of the ultimate problems was that uh, the wide receivers couldn't win. Anthony Richardson is not the most uh, accurate quarterback in the SEC or the country. Um, I wouldn't say he's inaccurate, really, but like he's not the most accurate quarterback. But on top of that, the wide receivers weren't winning against the Kentucky corners. They weren't creating a bunch of separation. I mean, you know, maybe I'm wrong because, you know, I don't see that angle when we're watching the broadcast. But it sure looked to me like Florida couldn't get the run game going and Kentucky was forcing them to pass. And not only did Anthony Richardson really struggle and get inaccurate and got rattled a little bit and could on top of that, sometimes it just felt like there was nowhere to go with the football. And is that the player's fault or is that the play calling because I know it's Bill and April second game. We're already being like the play calling, but I will say that it did seem like there was kind of a lack of imagination or creativity um, near the end of that game in regards to play calling, especially in the past game. Um, yeah. Now, whether I, or not that's agree. like, maybe that's, you know, the playbook hasn't been fully installed yet. You know, it's the second game um, or, you know, maybe maybe there was some stuff and it just messed up, or I don't know. Um, but that is, you know, r- the wide receivers weren't winning. Anthony Richardson wasn't hitting them. He couldn't beat the team solely with his arm. And also, there was like no Anthony Richardson design runs, which was interesting to me. The, the the running of the quarterback was really solely in the option game, and most of the time, because Kentucky's smart and their defense is good they sealed off the edge. So they were for Richardson was forced to hand the ball off to um, ETN or, um, you know, any of the other running backs and stuff like that. So it, it really didn't kind of help work in their favor. I, I agree with you. I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing, right? I think before we started, right. The season, we said, if we could see that the system was there, but it's just lacking the proper players to execute, we would be happy. And I think as frustrated as we all were watching uh, a screen pass on second down go nowhere and then an option play on third down go nowhere, being forced to put us in a fourth and long situation where you're right, Richard, AR, is, AR has an insane amount of talent. But what Billy Napier said to start the season was correct. He threw like 37 career passes before he started that Utah game. It's going to take some time. He's going to get some, have some growing pains. I mean, we're looking at quarterbacks in the NFL that even are going through some still developing. Quarterback's a hard position to play. So I think he's got the talent to do it. I think he'll be all right. He just needs to learn how to not get rattled early on, like he said in the postgame press conference. And he needs to, you know, work and improve on his accuracy and work and improve on not every, not every ball needs to be darted in there like a missile, which is kind of uh, what happened a few times as well. I will say that's the one thing 
it's it's like the the reverse Kyle Trask problem where everybody's just like Kyle Trask doesn't have the arm strength and he and like it does suck because he can't throw a ball quite as deep or with as much velocity. But it's like on that middle and that short and the intermediate stuff, like it's never not catchable. Like and Anthony yeah. Richardson was throwing yeah. some darts. Now I I am a little. And, you know, this is just my personal opinion. I am also, like, if you want to be a high-level college football receiver, if you can get two hands on the ball, you better catch that thing. Like, I don't, like, like that's what you do. You're a receiver. Now, yeah. there's more I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I just also think, I also think he's got to, he's, he's got to turn down the, the power yeah. He doesn't need sliders. to be throwing fastballs to every, he doesn't need to be throwing fastballs to every single one. And additionally, yeah. somebody pointed out on, I saw online that, and this is a great point, we're seeing AR go through growing pains that we all feel he should have been going through last year, but he didn't get a chance to Excellent go through them point. last year. He didn't get a chance point. to go through them last year because Mullen would not play him. Um, so it's just a reminder that like, oh, because sometimes we get caught up in the athleticism. People are like, oh, this is our last year with him. He's going to the draft. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, he's a freak, but like he hasn't played quarterback enough, in my opinion, to get to that point. And also, this team was never going to be the big team. You know, and maybe we all thought that after we beat Utah. This was, this game was a nice reality check. This is still a year one. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you texted lost... me. Oh, go ahead. You, you, no, you texted me. And this might have been the point you were going to make that this loss reminded you of the Kentucky loss in Mullen's first year. That this is very much a we got to go through some growing pains situation, you know? That year turned out great. Um, if if I do remember, it it started off with a really good, um, a, a really good non conference win, and then went into a really really uh, you know a lackluster performance against Kentucky at home, and then it went, ended up going pretty well. So I I agree with you. I also want to we talk about a lot about what went wrong. Um, I want to talk about a couple you know real quick before we keep going. Some of the good that came from this game. We we were we criticize Anthony Richardson and he'll he'll be the first one to tell you like he did in the post game press conference he he deserves a lot of the blame you know he he deserves his share of the blame but he had some nice throws he had a really he had a couple really nice uh, deep post routes that went for 12, 15 yards that were right on the money he had a play action rolling out to the right hand side that he threw onto the corner that was an NFL throw that he made that looked really nice the talent's there he's just got to develop. Same thing with credit to the defense. I thought the defensive line was incredible in this game. Will Levis was getting his you-know-what rocked. He talked a lot of trash at the end, and he was not talking trash in the first half, and he was not talking trash during the game because he knew that that defense was doing a really good job on him. The touchdown that, that he scored that was a deep ball was a great play by their wide receiver that came down with it. Then the, there's the one that got tipped in the air and got cut. There were a lot of things that happened that just are college football things that happen. No one's blame. There's no one to blame on those things. I thought the defense played really well. Um, and it's very obvious that Tom Grantham is not on the staff anymore. Yeah, see, I was, I was very impressed with the defense because defense was my main criticism of the last game. Um, where I was just like, yeah, it was great that we won. You know, it's a, it's great to win on an interception on the goal line. It's not great that they had a minute and we got, they got to the goal line. Um, and also the just defense wasn't doing well. The defense played really well this game. Most of the touchdowns were, the touchdowns were a broken play, a short field. And um, I think the last one was probably like an actual, like legitimate drive. 
Yeah. But like most like Billy Napier said that entering the, the second half, he's just like our two the two touchdowns we gave up were on a very short field and on a broken play. It's just like those are correctable things. And a pick six. And a pick six. Like if, if you think about it, really, the offense cost us this game in its entirety. The short field, the the which by the way, people criticizing Anthony Richardson for the interception on the flat. If you look at the replay from AR's angle, that's just an insane play. He he goes out of his way to, you know, throw it outside. And if that defensive lineman is not a freak and doesn't put his hand out with one handed, it's not an interception. So I don't I don't get the the miscommunication with the wide receiver on the pick six. I get that. Maybe Richardson should have known, called different things, experience that'll come with it. But to criticize him for that freakish play by a defensive end, like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's come pretty on, freakish. Um, um, to look the outlook on the rest of the season, Tyler, let's go through the game. We said we were going to do it after the Kentucky game. If we won, let's keep the same energy and do it after we lost. And now that we've kind of been brought back to earth, Let's let's play through the rest of it, right? We're one and one through two games. We're zero and one in the in the SEC this week. We're playing South Florida, not to spoil what we got coming up, but we all pretty much know against USF we got a dub, right? Yeah, it's a dub. Cool, two to one on the road at Tennessee, and we're going to talk about Tennessee in a second when we get to five wide. I look this this game looks way harder than I I, I want to admit. I'm still going to go dub because I don't believe in Tennessee. <laughs> I I'm gonna have to go with an L. I think we lose the game in Tennessee. I, I'll give I'll give you this one. I'll give you this one. Yeah. Okay. I don't we'll go two and agree, two. But in order to keep it the same, we'll we'll go with two and two because all right, two and two. I just don't believe Tennessee's ability to do what Kentucky just did to us on offense. I agree with you in principle, but what I saw, and we'll do it when we get to five wide. But what I saw from Tennessee against Pittsburgh and the resilience that they had in the second half and overtime and stuff, I think I th- we'll get to it next week, and we'll talk about it a bit more next week. I just think that this is a game that we could get got because of our yeah. inexperience, because of our youth that's on the road. Um, and it is it is the CBS dun, 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 game of the week. So very true, very true. A lot of, lot well, of factors. We'll go with an Big L. microscope we'll an on AR. You know, anyway. Okay, we'll go with an L. Two and two. Eastern Washington at home. That's a dub. Three and two. Missouri at home. That's a dub. a dub. Four and two. LSU at home. I think I still think we win. I still think we I win. still think we win. What what we saw. I'm I'm not taking what we saw against Southern this week for what we saw against FSU. There are holes to exploit there, both for us on offense and defense. There are deficiencies that the Tigers have on both sides of the ball that I think we can exploit. So because of that, I'll, I'll take the dub. Yeah. Three, four, that's five and two. Five and two. By week. Florida, Georgia. Keep moving. Keep moving. Okay, cool. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Five and three. Um, A&M on the road. <sighs> Raise your hand if you think A&M is going to lose to both of the teams from the state of Florida they play this year. Um, I, I will also raise my hand. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll take that dub, right? Six and two. So that six and three. Sorry, six and three. Six and three. Six and three. South Carolina at home did not like what I saw from Spencer Rattler this I, just Saturday. Me, I know we might wink it into a little bit. I just had to rant, rant again. I can't believe that anybody got fooled into thinking, oh, Spencer Rattler is going to be better at South Carolina than he was under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. <laughs> 
Get out. Under under Lincoln Riley. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I, I didn't love what I saw from South Carolina. So I still think we could be I still think that the talent we have. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what happened in that Kentucky game was a lot of mix of inexperience being brought back down to earth, but also the realization of Mark Stoops at Kentucky is good at what he does. Like also, I, I also don't want to be avoidance and stuff. Big history happened on Saturday. Mark Stoops became the all-time leading winner, winning coach, all-time winningest coach. There we go. In Kentucky football history, surpassing the one and only Bear Bryant. So credit to him uh, for that is how good of a coach he is. This man is in that company in Kentucky football. He is arguably the most important coach they've ever had. I know I don't want to slander Bear Bryant, but most of his success came at Alabama. Um, yeah, man, I, I I agree with you. Mark Stoops at Kentucky is a different beast. I cannot wait till he's gone <laughs> as a Florida Please. fan. So we're beating South Carolina, right? Yes. Seven and three. Vandy on the road. That's a dub. Eight and three. And then Florida, Florida State in Tallahassee. I mean, I still feel like that's a win because I, I we have been trending as a win in this series. But, you know, Florida State looks good. I, I yeah. agree. On both of those fronts, uh, so, so even if we nine and three, eight and four, what did I we say starting like off the, the season? Table. I still feel like I don't feel like that this actually really changes the outlook of the season. You just have to learn that, like, it's the thing everybody everybody in the world expected us to go, in my opinion, into this next game, into the USF game one and one. They just thought we would lose against Utah and win against Kentucky. Now those mm-hmm. have been flipped, but that doesn't really change anything about the way that our season. The only thing it changes is contention for the SEC East title, yeah. which but, you know we were just so gonna contend for. Well, of course, because uh, we were gonna smoke Georgia. Of course, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, that's, that's why what I we said keep moving. It's just like yeah. obviously. <laughs> okay, so so this reasonable is not that year. This is not that year. Like yeah, yeah, but that's fine. That's fine. That's this is what we, we thought at the beginning of the season. That. The theme is to keep it. Keep your keep a level head. Keep a yes. level head, everyone. That's what we want to do. Um, okay. All right. Enough about the Gators. Let's go into five wide real quick. Let's recap these these games. We start in Austin, Texas with what's hilarious is that this game was thrown under the radar because of the Sunbelt Funbelt stuff. Um, Alabama 20, Texas 19. We both picked Bama, so we both get the points. But this was not even close to how we thought about this was going to happen. I feel I dirty about getting a point from this. <laughs> we should we should forfeit our point for this. Look, if I had a nickel for every time a Nick Saban team played a Texas team and only really – like you could debate only one because the starting Texas quarterback got injured, I'd have two nickels, which is not a lot, <laughs> but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> yes, yes. And Look, let me say this. Before Quinn Ewers went out with an injury – that man was going to cook the Alabama defense. I don't know how Nick Saban gets away with it. I really don't. I mean, he obviously is the GOAT, but like mm-hmm. even in these moments where it's just like, yeah, this team is just not playing well and I'm still going to win. I mean, that's why he's the GOAT. But like – Name me another luck, coach that can luck, overcome – The luck to have Quinn Ewers go down with an injury. And not like a dirty injury. He just got hurt. Like – that was just football. It, it is like, what it was. Said, they gave, I think they gave them a 15-yard penalty, moment. but really wasn't a penalty at all. No. I mean, no. It, it's just crazy to be like, if if Quinn Ewers plays, it's I'm almost like 99% certain that Alabama uh, that uh, Texas wins. Yeah. Like, I and agree. That's, that's crazy for me to say. 
Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. What's even crazier is that what other team, Tyler, wins a football game when they have 11 first half penalties? Name the, I, name another time when a Nick Saban team had 11 penalties in a game, let alone in the first half. They had more penalty yards than they did passing yards. I, I believe the, for most of the game, that was that was what happened. I'm going to pull it up here right now. But it, that was Alabama's players getting too diva like they didn't get back to the ground <laughs> and pound. I mean, OK, credit to Bryce Young, though, that like Bryce Young ice in his veins, like led that crazy drive to get to get the field goal. Like he's still he's good. I mean, we knew that he already won a Heisman, but um <laughs> good i will say you know i'm just gonna put out this narrative (laughs) um so nick saban has i believe now i don't remember what the other one was he lost to jimbo last year he lost Mm -hmm. to kirby last year he also beat kirby once and now he did beat sarkeesian yes but barely are we interested in the way that this is finally trending towards Nick Saban assistance? Is this a, are you trying to trying to pendulum swing here? Are you, I'm just interested. It's worth noting. All right. Now mm-hmm. Jimbo and Kirby are like the two big ones. I still don't get how Jimbo beat him, but that's not important. Um, I also take, take offense to the fact that you considered Jimbo to be a big one, like, uh, <laughs> but alas, <laughs> that's if that's fair. I mean, like who? Yeah. Who uh, besides Kirby? Who's bigger in terms of profile terms of, of being former Saban assistant? A, a, a prior yeah. Nick Saban assistant. It's, it's a, Kirby Smart. Full stop. Yeah, yeah. So that's Full what I'm saying. Kirby Smart and Jimbo are the big ones. No one's bigger than Jimbo. That's like, true. Yeah. I mean, sorry, nobody's bigger than Kirby. But like, who is who is bigger than Jimbo? Jimbo Fisher, that's still coaching. That's true. Okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I, I think it's just it's just a thing where you're just like, oh yeah, the field is not as great as I thought it was. <laughs> um, no, no, and 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 here's the thing. I don't want to say that this is the beginning of a trend. I don't want to say that Saban is slipping. I don't any of that stuff. But I do believe that more teams are coming up to his level now, rather than him just kind of sitting above everyone and looking down, you know, there people are coming up to his level rather than he's dropping down. That makes sense. Yeah. There's a slight bit of parody there in regards to like, people are, you know, like more talent, people are understanding recruiting more talented players going elsewhere. Like Alabama is still by and large, the most talented team in the country, but like, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. And again, it's just the penalties is so weird. Because I don't feel like Nick Saban is changing the way he coaches or getting worse at it. Like right. it's just, I mean, it ultimately we're talking about the team that won. So yeah. at yeah. the end of the day, it's like they still got the win, and it, it, yeah, in reality, that's what's most important. I would hate to be an Alabama player this week and have to go through practice. I oof. well, I just I looked it up. They had 10, 10 total penalties. They all came in the first half. So that halftime, that halftime speech. Saban said some words is all I'm going to say there. Um, Texas, I just I want to say this as a fan base who played a very who played Alabama very close and was on the verge of victory at home in a primetime game. Please beware of finding the moral victory here. 
yes, pat yourself on the back, Texas fans. You did the unexpected and almost pulled off the impossible. But Florida did the same thing last year, and look how it ended up. Keep the focus. You're not going to fire Sarkeesian after that, the second that year. Alabama hangover is a real thing. It is a real thing, and the Roadrunners are coming to town next week. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Uh, we both got the points there. Let's pick up the speed. We got. I want to talk about next week's games. Uh, we got Tennessee 34, Pittsburgh 27 in overtime. I picked Tennessee. You picked Pittsburgh, so I get the points there. Keenan Slovis goes out at halftime with an injury. I still don't have any update on that. They, I haven't really seen. They might have updated, but I just haven't checked the time of recording. Um, and Tennessee's offense looked pretty good. This is why I am picking ten. I have picked Tennessee in the game we just played to beat Florida because I do think that they have the ability of turning it on at any moment. Right? Um, Ventrell Miller is was came out of our game with an injury. Still, I I don't expect him to play this weekend just to rest up. Hopefully, he's ready for that Tennessee game. That'll be a big thing. And it'll be the first game where the Gators are tested in the secondary because of how much, um, you know, they like to bomb the uh, bomb the football down the field. Tennessee does. I thought this was a great game. I thought they were very resilient. And Pittsburgh, after Keaton Slovis went down, was a completely different team, at least offensively. That's That's why I still feel fine picking Pittsburgh because, like, they were in this game. And I mean, like they even they this game went to overtime, but it just wasn't the same when Kedon Slovis went out, and you can't expect that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I agree. You know, Pitt Pitt's still Pitt, and Pitt's still Pitt, and I mean that as a compliment. But yeah, yeah, good on Tennessee for pulling out the victory on this one. Agreed, agreed. Uh, good on App State, Tyler, for going oh, into right. Kyle Field and winning seventeen to fourteen. We uh, neither of us get points, even though I really wanted to pick App State, did not pick them, did take them plus the spread. So never in doubt, my friend, never in doubt. Okay, this is this is the part of the podcast where if you're a big fan of Jimbo Fisher, you need to fast forward a minute. I need to know. I texted this to you, Tyler. Outside of Jameis Winston, who has Jimbo Fisher developed as a quarterback? So, yeah, I mean, EJ Manuel had a good couple of years, but that was even before here, dude. (laughs) That doesn't count. Um, It does no, no, not to the level of what, not to the level. Of expectations that having a hundred million dollar fully guaranteed contract brings you at Texas A&M, not for someone who is out there complaining in the postseason that Nick Saban got mad at me because I used the NIL use properly and he didn't. And basically going, you guys all love Nick Saban. Well, you if only you really knew him and going cryptic message on him. No, you, you cannot like who else like finesse King, in my opinion, like finesse king because that offense is stuck in 2012 and 2014 to be generous and defense they're fine defense they're great i i like what they did on defense they were able to stop and maintain an absolute offense really good no it's not not jimbo fisher no jimbo fisher's the man with a 400 play um offensive playbook that really does not is not well equipped for the top level 
talent that he's recruiting because he can recruit really well. He he's he is the he's the kid that got a he's a 16 year old kid that got a Ferrari for his birthday, but has absolutely no idea how to drive stick. That is who Jimbo Fisher is. He's got all the tools in the world, but he overcomplicates his life so much. He doesn't just go out there and run a spread offense with all those players he has. Get the ball out of the hands quickly. Get yourself a quarterback who can do those things. And he overcomplicates himself. He wants to play like it's 2014. I don't get it. Well, yeah, and that's uh, – I, I heard something this weekend where um, it's a Jimbo Fisher would be willing to give up play calling if he thinks it would help them win. And that is ultimately the problem is that it's just like, yeah, if I think somebody can do it better than me, I will absolutely let them play call plays. That's the ultimate like – fake out answer because Jimbo Fisher will never think anyone can call plays better than him. None that is the are, ultimate. I know what I'm doing. Shut up. Will answer. Ever think that they're better that, that somebody else can do their job better than them. Like, yeah. So it's like when, when a coach says, yes, I'll give up play calling duties. If like, I feel like it will help us win. They won't do it because they don't think it'll help them win. No, no, they don't. You need to have a certain level of, uh, intensity to be a coach like that, and that's what got them there. That's what got like them to the dance. Jim McElwain. It's like how we, uh, when Jim McElwain was around, we all wanted Jim McElwain to start calling plays again because yeah. we're just like, come on, just do something. Get Doug Nussmeyer <laughs> out of the booth. And Jim McElwain uh, yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. if I felt that me calling plays would help us win, I'd do it. And I'm like, cool. So you're never gonna do it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, the results of this game, game day was supposed to go rumored, right? Expected, rumored, potentially all those qualifiers to go to AM for the Miami Texas AM game. But instead, they're actually going to Boone. They're going to App State to for Troy versus App State, which App State's going to dominate win. in that game. Not only does Texas AM get screwed, Miami gets screwed too. And our beloved App State Mountaineers get to get game day. Well, this is a win for all of us. Um, Incredible. You'll love wanna, to see it. I want to shout out uh, App State. Great job. One of Texas A&M's two touchdowns was a kickoff return, by the way, also. It wasn't even their offense. Um, they ran 38 plays in a college football game at home. They ran 38 plays, Tyler. I think I run 38 plays and a half on NCAA 14. We're moving on. I, I'm, I'm, I, no, I'm no, disgusted no. by bit, Texas bit. A&M. How much do you think Davos Swinney would like Chase Bryce to still be at Clemson right now? <laughs> no, because he's another one. Just play the backup. That's really good. Play your five-star Trevor next Trevor Lawrence. He's really good. Yeah. Just bench DJ. It's not a hard thing to do. I agree with you. It's just funny that I'm just like, oh, Chase Price left, and now he's like winning huge upsets in FC and playing well. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, all right. Let's fly through these. Cyhawk, Iowa State 10, Iowa 7. You get the point here. Um, it again boggles me that Matt Campbell it's a it's not even him it's a college football thing he finally wins this big rivalry game that he's always needed to win the year like the year that they're not going to be competing for anything which that is I guess the way the game goes I don't know also, man. Iowa is in a front to offense no no the no whole- Iowa does not run an offense <laughs> don't even call it that don't even call it that they have they have more punts than first downs. they have a reverse defense Tyler, did you hear me? Did you hear me? <laughs> no, you cut out. Two games into the college football season, Iowa has more punts than first downs. 
I think you were going to say more punts than points, which I believe they also have. That um, is also true. They also have more punts than points. More punts than first downs is quite frankly we, insane. To we, we, you know what, Tyler? We need we need to take over the state of Iowa. You and I, we need to be co-governors, and we need to force our way to get Kirk Ferentz to fire his son as the offensive coordinator. Most nepotism hire I've ever seen in my life. Get him out of here. Field an actual offense. Oh my God, so frustrating. You too, Iowa. I'm disgusted by AM and I'm disgusted by Iowa this week. Ugh. Let's go on to things that make me a bit happy. Let's move on. Like a bunch of like a bunch of Mormons <laughs> acting crazy with no alcohol. Baylor 20, BYU 26 in double overtime. Great game. Great game. Field goal dramatics. I fell asleep in the fourth quarter. Looked it up when I got uh, when I woke up the next morning and went. Oh, this game was really good. Just a great way to end um, end the weekend, the college football Saturday. Um, what a I get the point on this one. Saturday. It was. It was a great college football Saturday. I get the point on this one. It was a great one. Let's go also to another great ending to, to the college football Saturday. We're going into two point, and we're going to go to your game first because you picked Oregon State to beat Fresno State, and they did it 35-32 on a game-winning um game winning fourth uh game winning it wasn't a two point conversion it was like ball was at like the two or the three and they went for it instead of kicking it to send it to uh to try to send it to overtime they went for it for the win they get the six points they win by three jonathan smith take a bow my friend you are just a beautiful beautiful man Oh yes, I mean it. Feel I feel so justified um, to uh, to be rewarded for my Jonathan Smith love for our Jonathan. Jonathan yeah, Smith please love. give me some credit on that one. I I no, equally love him. Lovers, um, we are we, we are. are we are an eccentric college football throuple here. Um, what did we, what did we we pick so this year? Our teams are obviously the Gators. What was the other team that we picked earlier? It was uh, Arkansas, Arkansas, and I think we're Beaver Podcast. We're, for we're, sure. we're Beaver Buddies. We're, um, we're be- Beaver Buddies. We're Beaver Buddies. I love that. That was good. That was yeah, good. Beaver Buddies podcast. Um, that probably is a podcast that exists, and I will look it up later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, feel feels good. Feels good. Love Jonathan Smith. You know. We didn't actually talk about who should take the Nebraska job. Um, the number one candidate oh, is Matt yeah, no, Campbell. We didn't, we didn't talk about that. That's right. Um, the number one candidate is Matt Campbell. I think Jonathan Smith would do good there, but I, I hope he doesn't go. I think mul- multiple coaches that we have some love for would be inter- would be good candidates for that. Guys like Matt Campbell, guys like Jonathan Smith, maybe a Lance Leopold out of Kansas. Um, I think he'd those be the are- best, in my opinion. Well, I just think he's done it at literally every level. The next yeah. step up is a program with as much money as Nebraska. I would like to see him with like a fully mobilized recruiting arm, facilities arm. Like Nebraska will spend; they have the money. They will spend the money. They're ready to do it. The issue wasn't the, the issue wasn't money under the Scott Frost. It was a whole bunch of other things. If they can get a competent person in there to kind of run it CEO style. They could really get the money going and get the money. There's no reason they shouldn't be playing whoever comes out of the Big Ten East every year in the in the Big Ten title game. They should be a That's perennial true. top twenty team, perennial Big Ten West champion. That's what they should be doing. So, um, That's true. Maybe Matt Rule comes out of uh, the NFL, comes back. He also rebuilt Baylor when it was at his lowest. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. And then my two point Tyler, uh, I picked UCF over Louisville. Louisville won twenty to fourteen. I watched this game while I was working. 
um, at the radio station and <laughs> I was working and I went over to my friend's house after uh, I got off, which was after the game. And I got there and they were all like, I can't just Gus Malzahn. I can't believe what was he doing in those things. And I literally had to remind them. Let me remind you. I told you when he was hired, he is good for like two of these a year. Two games where you're like, what is going on? I don't understand the logic. I'm just glad you got it out of the way early and in a non-conference game. Just want to point that out. Just want to point that out, guys. Yeah. Season's not over. So I thought it was funny. thought it was funny. That brings yeah, our total to date, Tyler. Uh, you have 11 points. I have six points. Uh, I'm, I'm slipping back. I'm five back here, but it's okay. It's a super long season. I'm super confident in what's going on. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. Do you want to go on to next week, Tyler? Yes, let's. We've got much to discuss. All right, here we go. Here we go. Gators, USF, heading to the swamp, 730 SEC Network. We don't have to spend time on this, do we? No, I, it's really just what we want to see. I want to see an improvement on the passing game. Um, yes. Yes, yeah, and I honestly would like to see Ventro Miller not play in this game because I want to see how this defense does without Ventro Miller. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not respecting USF. No, we're not. We are not respecting USF. Sorry, this is not even the biggest interconference. Uh, this is not even the biggest game between two state ri- two state teams this weekend. Okay, like let's relax. Cool. Okay. Um. All right, five wide. Let's go. Speaking of Nebraska and those coaches that we mentioned. Oklahoma is heading to Lincoln to take on the Cornhuskers at noon Eastern on Fox. It is the big noon kickoff game this week. Uh, I think I go first this week on picking the, excuse me, on picking the games. I'm, I'm going Oklahoma for sure. Yeah. But I think the story here is, I don't even know who the interim is at Nebraska. I didn't even, I don't even know. I who don't even know either. I was hoping that you would. Um. I would. <laughs> This game has a lot of historical significance, right? They played last year in Norman, and it was a close game. It was a fun and exciting game, and obviously they have all the history going back decades. Um, If you ask Nebraska fans, Oklahoma is still one of their big rivals, even though they don't play as much. If you ask Oklahoma fans, they'll kind of snub their nose at you and say, Nebraska who? Um, Even though deep down they know that it is a, a rivalry game. Uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm glad that we got this home and home. It's a shame that Nebraska had Scott Frost last year, and now they have an interim coach for this game. But yeah, we're both going to Oklahoma here, and I'm excited to see how Nebraska's players react because there's always that like jump start right after a coach is gone, and you got the interim and all those juices flowing and stuff. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Me too. Me too. I'm definitely going to Oklahoma too. I'm not an idiot. Um, <laughs> wait. Even though, you know, I'm still, I'm still curious as to what Oklahoma really is this year because uh, they haven't really played anyone of significance yet. Yeah. Um, this will be kind of the first test. Even then, Nebraska's not very good. But, um, yeah, I think Oklahoma's going to smoke them. And I think, I think looking forward, Quinn Ewers, his injury, he is expected to be back at the earliest um, October 8th against the Oklahoma Sooners at Red River. So, we may be getting a dramatic return and making that kind of the first real tough test for Oklahoma. Uh, or Oklahoma could be going up against a backup quarterback, and we'll see how that goes. So lots to monitor out in Norman for now. BYU takes on Oregon 
in Eugene, three thirty kickoff on Fox. Tyler, um, huh. you get the first pick on this one. Who do you have? I'm actually. I don't know who who is going to win this game because I. This is. I'm very confident on my pick. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but I'm going to pick uh, the Oregon Ducks for this hmm. because I'm just I want to see what they're, they're up because they they should on most years Oregon should beat BYU in regards to talent, but I don't know because the only time I've really paid attention to Oregon this year was when they got absolutely gobsmacked by Georgia, and that you know I'm not really gonna criticize them too much for that. No, yeah, I don't really believe in Bo Nix, but I'm gonna go with Oregon regardless. I'm going to go with BYU. This game opened at BYU plus three and a half. And I highly recommend people jump on that before it, uh, the line moves. Maybe get some points there. I think BYU wins outright on the road. Um, this game will be making an appearance in the napkin this week. That's my teaser that you can find over at GatorsWire.com. This game will be making an appearance. Can guarantee that. Love it. Um, Penn State, Auburn, 330. CBS game of the week. Um, I is okay. When I recap the napkin at the end, I kind of give a little sneak peek into the week ahead. This is also a game that might might appear in the napkin. I don't know if it will because it is kind of chaos. Um, but has there ever been more of a? This is fine. Everything is fine. Don't worry. It's all fine. Game between two teams, Tyler. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's pretty high up there. I mean, it's like a loser leaves town match. Like the losers, they're both both coaches are coaching for their jobs. Both quarterbacks yeah. are playing for their jobs. All of the above. Well, that's so. That's the weird thing is that like I I just on face value I'm like Penn State should win this right, and they then should. I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like I can't trust Penn State at all. But it's not yeah. not like I can trust Auburn. <laughs> It's it's Auburn. <laughs> I don't know. You go first. I don't know what I don't know what you're gonna do. Um, good luck, man. So the question is: Do I have more faith in Sean Clifford or TJ Finley? <laughs> um, Sean Clifford is certainly more experienced. If that means anything, <laughs> I okay. I'm gonna go Penn State, and I'm only gonna go Penn State because I think. In a world of content, in a world of entertainment, Auburn losing this game is more fun. Sorry, Auburn fans, yeah. but I'm gonna I'm I'm rooting here with my brain because of what co- the content I want to see. I want to see how the Auburn administration spins this game into firing Brian Harson later in the season. You know what I mean? Potentially, I don't ever wish for anyone to lose their job. But I'm just right saying what I think what I think will happen because Auburn is a um, just hodgepodge of insanity. I don't know. I, you can't predict it. So that's so, why I'm going to go Penn state. So because this is such a crazy game and I don't know who could win it because like, I feel like Penn state would probably win it in like most Auburn, forces, in like most worlds and most timelines, mm-hmm. Penn state will probably win this game. But that's like a 51 49 type of thing, you know, like, um, and because you picked Penn state, I'm going to pick Auburn just because this is the type of game where it's, it, we both deserve to pick a different teams. Like, and if I had and on, if you had gone first and you had picked Auburn, I would have picked Penn state. I would have kept the same principle, Tyler. I completely agree with you there. Um, 
Michigan State taking on Washington in Seattle, 7.30 kickoff on ABC. This is just going to be a real – I put this here because I, I couldn't find the fifth game. Usually five or six games like stand out. I couldn't find the fifth one this week, and I put it there just because I want you to close your eyes, listeners, and I want you to think about the white Michigan State uniforms with the green outline going up against the purple uniforms of Washington. Just an underrated uniform game, underrated in my opinion. Game. I also think it's interesting to see how does Michigan State look in its first real test without Kenneth Walker III, and how does Washington look in their kind of pseudo-rebuild that they're going through right now? I think it's a very interesting um, decision. Uh, Tyler, you pick first. Who do you want? Uh yeah, this is, this is a very interesting game to watch. I, it's something that, you know, neither of these teams have been on my radar this year, really. Um, and now I'm very interested to see how they both look. I'm going to go Michigan State, even though, you know, I'm, I'm the Washington guy on this podcast. I'm gonna I go respect Michigan, that. I'm going to go Michigan State because I think, well, one, that they're better. And also, like, Mel Tucker, if for nothing else, is further along in whatever he's doing compared to what is happening over at Washington. And for the exact same reasons, I am also going to take Michigan State. I agree with you. This game also opened up Washington as a three-point favorite, three-and-a-half-point favorite. What? Um, Washington at home is a three-point favorite. So, yeah. When I was told that by a friend of mine today, that my he texted it to me, and he said, oh, what, is there a reason – Michigan State is plus three and a half against Washington. And my response was, they're what now? Because I, I was so – I'm sorry, what? They're what? <laughs> oh, man. So I agree with you. I think they'll win. It'll be there. And then the final game, Tyler. I'm glad this game is starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. I think it's fun. I also think that the bars in the South Florida area are going to be dangerous by that time because of the amount of alcohol consumed by kickoff and how late this game will go. Miami taking on Texas A&M, 9 o'clock Eastern kickoff on ESPN. Uh, Fowler and Herb Street are calling this game. They're going from Boone down to College Station to call this game. Uh, I pick first here. The question here is, do I believe... Do I believe that Mario Cristobal's defense is good enough and talented enough in his first season? I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Do I think that the Texas A&M defense is good enough and talented enough to hold down a good quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke and a, and a pretty nice offense that they got going on? I've seen some clips. Maybe the scores aren't indicative, but just watching the plays, it's like working, right? But it's worked against some really, I don't know, defenses. I like Texas A&M's defense. I I know for a fact that Miami's defense is better than Texas A&M's offense. Question is, can they can the A&M defense maintain Tyler Van Dyke and the Miami offense to make it close enough to win the game? And that is where it's kind of a toss up in the air for me. Um, I was at the barbershop this morning, Tyler. This is how I know Miami's back, at least in like terms of the relevance <laughs> in South Florida. They're back in terms of relevance, in terms of relevance, in terms of people talking, in terms of people caring. Okay, this is how I know they're back. I was sitting in the in the barbershop chair. My barber was cutting my my hair. The guy next to me was in the other barber chair, and the guy next to me was talking with his barber about um, 
Miami and about the Hurricanes and about, yeah, you know, they got a good schedule, this and that, whatever. Da, 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 da. And they were just going through it. And he, they were talking. He was like, you know, that A&M, you could tell the guy was like a casual college football fan because he was like, yeah, man, I can't believe he was like, I think a and going to come out and wallop Miami. I really do. I love, I, you know, I just think it's going to happen because you don't lose to a team you're not supposed to and then come back. That offense just didn't look like it was in sync. They're going to be firing on all cylinders next week. And in my head, I'm like, I'm keeping quiet. I'm like, I'm sorry that the Texas A&M Jimbo Fisher offense is going to be firing on all cylinders next. Like that's that's one cylinder. That they have like a singular cylinder. What? <laughs> What does that look like? Like 24 points? <laughs> yeah, maybe he goes for it on fourth and two from his from the 30. Oh, boy. Um, no, but going through all this, whatever, and in my head, I was like, okay, whatever. And then the plot twist, the guy gets up, they take off the apron, and he's wearing a Clemson shirt. What? Exactly. <laughs> That's how you know Miami's what? back in South Florida. A person who is a fan of a different team because he lives in South Florida was talking all about Miami and all about the Hurricanes. And it's just indicative of the fan mentality down here in South and, Florida. And here you are, a Gator fan, being like, oh, like a Gator fan who watches Barbara college football, has two college football podcasts, and writes for GatorsWire.com. <laughs> I think I know what I'm talking about here. No, no, this is my point, though. This is my point, though, is that like you are also there. Not a fan of that team. Mm-hmm. Talking about Miami's back. Yeah, it's true. It, it, they're back in terms of relevancy in, ter- in South Florida, and that was step one of Mario's plan. I think this is a close game. I think this is an exciting game in terms of like chaos. But ultimately, I I think I'm going to take the Hurricanes. I want to disagree because I like it when we pick differently. But mm-hmm. and there's a small part of me that definitely feels that you know even though it will not look pretty because I don't think they're very good that Texas A&M has the ability to come out and win this game in a way that they shouldn't because um, they lost last week. But I prefer the I, I I like the idea of Miami winning in my personal head. I think I think it'd be cool and like. Um, I haven't watched like any of Miami this year. I saw, so, I've seen a bit just cause you know, I live down here, but I haven't um, watched like any of Miami this year. So, but you know what? I like Mario Cristobal. So I'm gonna go with you. Two words. Remember these two, remember this name. Remember while you're watching the game, Leonard Taylor, Leonard Taylor, the defensive lineman for Miami. He's a sophomore. He came out of Palmetto down here. He's a freak. He's a freak. He's a first round draft pick. He's a freak. He's I going like to give the A and M offensive line so much trouble. So go on. I there. like it. All right. I like it. All right. Yeah, I'm excited for this game. Me too. I, I'm excited to watch it. I really do think it's going to be indicative of whatever narrative Miami season goes through. You know, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, all right, Tyler, we got two point left. You go first this week. So what's going to be your two point game this week? I could I could steal um, UCF FAU from you. I will uh, be at that game. Good, sir. Ooh, I'm going to the game. I will be the lone FAU polo in a group of like 15 UCF fans. I love it. I love yes. it. I won't do that, though. I could take the Kansas Houston game. I'm not going to, though. What I'm going to do. I'm going to bet on a third-year Mike, like Mike Leach team 
I'm going to take Mississippi State to beat LSU. I like I what I'm saying. It can happen. I believe. I like. I like this, Tyler. You like that? You like that? You like that? You like that? I mean, um, Mike Leach has already beaten them once in uh, in Death Valley. So, okay, I am going to do something insane. I'm going to stay away from FAU UCF. What? And for those of for those of you thinking I'm ducking, giving my take, FAU by seven. That's what we're doing, working with here. All right. You said it, that was it such will a make that I didn't oh, yeah. expect that the number to come out at the very end was just going to be seven. I was really <laughs> feeling like I was just like I thought you were going to be like FSU uh, FAU by seventeen, and you're like by <laughs> seven by a single touchdown. <laughs> I mean, come on, read the room, man. I'm not like I love my team, but I'm not. Uh, come on, <laughs> that's that, that that's giving me Florida's going to beat Georgia by two two touchdowns vibes. Like, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, yeah, FAU by seven, uh, that spread, I think is 10 right now. I think that, I think that might make, that might be the most I'm throwing out all my betting rules ever. And I'm just going to bet on the game. Allegedly. UCF is only up nine from what I'm saying. It's only, it's, it's good only, nine. So it's moved. It's moved. It opened to 10 people are that, that the public knows Tyler, the public knows anyway. Um, no, no, no. I'm going to do something crazy. North Dakota state is playing Arizona. <laughs> I, I I think Arizona gets got. What's the oh, rule, Tyler? What is the rule if you're an FBS team? Do Don't not schedule, schedule North, Dakota North Dakota State at any time. Why would you ever do it? I'm taking them. This game is on FS1. It's an 11 o'clock Eastern kickoff. I have time to watch this game. I'm taking North. I'm taking the Bison. I'm taking North Dakota State to beat Arizona, an FCS team to beat an FBS team. We're doing it, Tyler. We're rolling with it. We are rolling with it. So excited! I support that. So excited. I do. I do. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm. Uh, I, I'm staying away from FAU UCF, even though I really want to take it. But again, I'm, I'm not spring. afraid. Yeah. Owls by seven. Let's go. I'm surprised you didn't go Kansas over Houston. No, because I I think Houston I think Kansas. Houston's gonna make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's I'm, more that's more. And I don't want to bet against Houston than I don't want to bet on Kansas, yeah. which is a crazy phrase to say in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. An insane yeah. phrase to utter. Can you imagine saying that three years ago? I couldn't imagine saying that a decade ago, Tyler. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, Come on. I just want to let you know on my ESPN app, I am turning on notifications for uh, North Dakota State and Arizona. I want to keep up with this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love to hear I it. I need to know. Uh, the five wide for this week, Tyler. Oklahoma, Nebraska, noon on uh, noon on Fox. We both have Oklahoma. BYU, Oregon, 330 on Fox. I have BYU. Tyler has Oregon. Penn State, Auburn, 330. Da, 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 da. CBS game of the week. I have Penn State. Tyler has Auburn. Michigan State, Washington, 7.30 Eastern on ABC. We both have Michigan State and Miami, Texas A&M, 9 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. We both have Miami. Uh, two points this week. Tyler's got Mississippi State over LSU. And I have North Dakota State over Arizona. Um, Tyler, anything else you want to mention before we sign off real quick? Do you want to talk about the NFL? Tyler? I mean, I don't, but um, <laughs> you clearly do. So let's do it. Well, <laughs> I, I have to get going. I don't want this podcast to be any longer than it already is. I will say the Miami Dolphins are winning the Super Bowl. With there that being said, 
this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. Unless uh, you have something else to say, Tyler. Uh, yeah. Um, you said the Miami Dolphins are winning the Super Bowl, and I will say that the Jacksonville Jaguars are better, I think. Um, <laughs> you guys had a lead at one point. Pretty good one. We had a nine-point lead, and we lost. It'd be <sighs> like that sometimes. Hashtag sigh. It's okay, um, man. It's okay, my guy. Um, but don't worry. Game. Um. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry because you still have 16 more games to go. <laughs> With that being said, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio and the man whose Tyler. hand is in his head is named Tyler. Right, Tyler. <laughs> and uh, we are not biased, Tyler, but go Gators. Go Gators. And go Owls by seven. <laughs>